Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 343 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is co-founder and CEO of Remotion, a virtual office that brings hybrid teams to life. Before starting Remotion, he was a product manager at Dropbox, as well as having studied computer science at Stanford. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast, Alexander Imbiricos. Hello, thank you for having me. Excited to be here, Phil. Great. So Alexandra, I want to ask you about Remotion. So this is a, this is a company that you co-founded. So could you give us a bit of an insight into the history of Remotion and how it came about? Absolutely. Um, so first of all, what Remotion is, it's, it's a macOS app, and we think of it as the world's first co-working app. So if you know, think about maybe you might go to an office of your company or to where we work to be with other people and to have conversations outside of meetings. Remotion is an app that helps you have those casual conversations, even if you're a remote team. Uh, so history of Remotion, let's see here. Um, I was a product manager at Dropbox and left to start a gaming company, which completely failed. And I, I think I'm gonna bring that up in one of, the, one of the questions that comes later, so I won't go deep into it now unless you'd like. But you know, we started this gaming company, completely failed. Uh, and I spent sort of six months wondering what to do. and started working with my current uh, co-founder, Charlie, who's amazing. And we were working on something very different. Some like, you know, like B2B, SaaS, ops, automation type stuff. Uh, for anyone who's into this, we were thinking about doing like HTML-based RPA. And um, at some point, Charlie realized that he had to move to Chicago because his partner was going to go to med school there. And we really liked working together. So we decided that we wanted to continue uh, the relationship remotely, even though it was just the two of us. And so we started asking around for advice on co-founding remotely. And this was before COVID. So all the advice was, hey, don't don't co-found remotely, maybe hire remotely, but don't co-found. Especially when we asked our friends who knew about Charlie and my personalities, we're, we're the type of people who we really enjoy getting work done productively, but we also enjoy just the hanging out and sort of serendipitous or casual conversation that comes from being in a close team. Uh, and so you know, we started looking into to all the, the advice for how to work well remotely and realized we didn't like it at all. Uh, you know, the advice that I think everyone's familiar with today about, you know, do as much, everything in writing, keep, your, keep even the informal formalized. And we thought to ourselves, well, let's give this a shot, even though we don't think we want to follow all that advice. And, you know, maybe we'll just realize the advice is right or, or we'll see. But after um, trying to work remotely for a while and using all sorts of different tools, we started noodling on the side of this idea of Remotion, um, which was kind of similar to the gaming company, actually, uh, in that it would be a solution that would provide a sense of presence, like being with each other, and also make conversation feel casual again. And that side project just ended up really fascinating us. Um, you know, I think typically you hear these stories of entrepreneurs saying, we did a bunch of market research, and then the research led to validation, and then to early customers, and then that's why we started building. I think for us, before all that, which happened later, it, we were just very interested in the problem that we were trying to solve and ended up working more on the side project for Motion than on the original tool. And that is kind of how we started working on this a, a few months before COVID. Right. Okay. So j just over two years then. Yeah. Yeah. And it's been a 
pretty interesting journey, uh, you know, with COVID coming in and really changing how people view remote work. Yeah, absolutely. So what has been the sort of the reception to Remotion? You know, that's, that's actually the interesting thing because it's changed so much. I think if you were to talk to people about Remotion today, well, first of all, you know, not many people will have heard of it. Um, but I think it's kind of a polarizing idea today. Um, there's a set of people who think that um, remote work should be exactly a certain way, you know, very asynchronous, very formal. And those are the loud people on the Internet because, you know, they know what they're talking about. Truthfully, like they've built big remote companies. But then there's a quieter population on the Internet of folks who think maybe there's there's more to remote work than that. And, you know, you might see them have job postings that say we like hanging out or we organize a lot of meetups or you know, we like to still be online at the same time during the day for at least a few hours. And I think that those are the people that we're trying to reach who are looking for tools like Remotion. Uh, that's today. So, but if we go back, you know, to the, when COVID started, we had an amazing reception. Uh, we had no idea what we we're doing. We launched Remotion on Product Hunt, uh, which we did not know was a launch. We just thought it was a site where you post new products uh, and had this really strong reception. And um, people were, were really desperate for figuring out how to talk remotely since everyone was trying to figure that out or a bunch of new teams were trying to figure that out. But so that was good. But then what happened as the pandemic progressed is that the space became incredibly competitive, you know, like tools like Slack and Zoom, which today are like the absolute defaults. They didn't really even have their act together before COVID. There was no slash Zoom in Slack, just as an example. Um, and so they got their act together. The space got competitive and, you know, that made it harder for us. Then to make matters even worse, uh, Zoom fatigue started kicking in. And the original idea behind Remotion, um, well, I guess the original idea has always been this broad idea of helping teams converse casually, but we didn't think that we could market that. So we were marketing it as a way to talk fast. Like this is the, the one-click way to talk to someone. Um, and the idea of one-click conversations paired with Zoom fatigue meant that we started pitching people and they would, not only would they be not interested, but they would tell us like, we we think it'd be better for the world if you didn't build this. Like, please don't build this. I really don't want my manager to, to make us use this. And so we realized we were in a load of trouble because the market had really shifted much faster than we had adapted. And so that actually led to us having to, to slow down and, and you know close signups and put up a wait list and spend a year, which was last year, iterating, uh, talking to people, figuring out like what, who, the people who were still signing up, why were they signing up? What were they looking for? Um, and when we realized that they were looking for team building, and they were not looking for fast conversation that led to us really reworking the product and getting to where we are today, where we, we don't even call it a virtual office anymore. That was what we used to call it. Now we just call it a co-working app because that's really the main thing people do. With right, it. right. Understood. Good. Okay. Well, that, that's great. That gives me a good, good understanding. I'm sure the listeners will appreciate that as well. So if they want to find out more about your company, can you maybe just mention the website? Now? Yeah, for sure. So it's remotion.com, which is R-E-M-O-T-I-O-N.com. Brilliant. Cool. Okay, right. So, Alexander, can you share with us a career tip, one that the audience may not be aware of and perhaps should be? Yes. And um, this is one that I learned uh, painfully by starting the gaming company. Um, and so the tip, I think it might sound obvious. Let's see. I'm curious what you think. The tip is to, if you, for your work, you know, in your job, Make sure that the people you're working with, your customers, are people who you enjoy speaking to. Yes. I'm curious if that sounds obvious or not. I can definitely <laughs> explain more. Yeah, yeah, go, go, please. Okay, okay, cool. So I started this gaming company, and you know, at the time I, I was a gamer, I've since stopped perhaps because I was 
I just really didn't enjoy the gaming company at the end of the day. But um, I was a gamer and I thought, okay, it'd be fun to to start this gaming company. Um, and, you know, when when things were going well and we were building, it was a lot of fun. But when things were going not well, when things were tough, I found that I wasn't really enjoying my days, including the parts where, you know, we would have to go like try to reach some gamers because we were an early stage startup to like interview about what we were building and maybe have them join our, our service. And I found that to be incredibly draining, you know, being on, on Discord and, you know, our audience of people who had free time to talk to us, they tended to be, you know, like very young teen uh, gamers um, trying to be competitive. And ultimately what I realized is that that was just really sapping me. And I got some advice from a mentor, which is, you know, a lot of startups, they think about choosing their target market. And his advice was choose a target audience and make sure that even when things at work are going horribly, if you imagine asking a potential customer for advice, that you'll feel energized by that conversation. Um, and so, you know, to, to paint a different example today, our customers are generally leaders on remote teams who are thinking about how to help their team be happier and more efficient. And, you know, even if I wasn't working on remotion, I would enjoy that conversation. That's an intellectually interesting topic for me. And it's also like an emotionally positive topic. Like, you know, how do you make teams work well together? And so when we were working on remotion and things weren't working, um, you know, when I mentioned back then, and we were trying to figure out what to build, each conversation I had with a customer was still energizing in opposition to the gaming company where each conversation was just so annoying to think about scheduling and even finding the person and then doing the conversation. So, so it's, it's, you know, maybe it's a spin on, on pursue your passion, but instead of focusing on what you're going to build, focus on who you're going to build for. And the, the reason this is like an, I think the key insight here is that if you're learning about a market and you realize that the problem you're solving isn't right or the solution you're solving isn't right, you can still leverage all the learnings you have about that target audience. And if you like that audience, you'll eventually, you know, eventually succeed. Whereas if you're more passionate about specifically um, the, the solution that you're building or the problem you're solving, if you find out that either one of those is invalidated, it can really take the wind out of your sails. Yeah, absolutely. It can definitely. So I think that's, it's an interesting way of, of, um, looking at it. I think obviously we talk a lot about making sure that you work with people that you like, for example, but I think you're right. If you're engaging with your customers a lot or your, your potential audience or client base, whatever you might call it, as long as you, if you've got an affinity with them in some way and you like them, then I think it definitely helps in your, in your, um, well-being if you like i suppose within whatever you're doing right and you know you know of course you should choose to work with people you like as well but yeah. my observation is that you know a company building for for audience x will attract people who are interested in that audience and so you know really the custom companies are built around their customers at the end of the day yeah. um and so it's kind of like that's the most fundamental bit that you can the most significant bit you know if you will that you can change and everything else will be built around it um yes Good. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, Alexander, can you share with us your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Sure. So, so this was in year one of my first job. I was a product manager at Dropbox, um, and I had just come out of a computer science degree at Stanford. And this worst career moment was actually at the time what I thought would be my like my like, crowning glory. Uh, and then it turned out actually to, to, to be one of the most negative uh, sort of rounds of feedback that I got. And I learned a lot from it. So uh, here's a scenario. Um, 
we, I was working at Dropbox and part of Dropbox's growth strategy was to partner with companies like HP, Dell, and Toshiba uh, who make laptops. And we would pre-install um, a Dropbox installer on the computer. And then when someone you know, bought that computer and they would launch their computer, eventually they would get an offer you know, partnered with say HP um, saying, do you want some free storage space uh, to try Dropbox uh, on your new yeah. computer? And so it was an interesting project because at the time we weren't sure how successful it would be. And it was a little different from other stuff we were doing at the company. And so my, one of my first jobs was to, to work on making this happen. And I was a very bad product manager at the time, but I didn't know it. So I didn't advocate well enough for getting engineering staffing for the project. And so we had done all this work, specking it out, working with HP and, you know, other partners and, um, you know, it's about two months before some deadlines and we realized that there's no one available to build, to write the code, uh, that will enable that integration. And so, you know, I asked around a bit, but again, I was a horrible PM, so I didn't, didn't do a good job and no one wanted, no one wanted to work on it. And so I decided, you know what, that's fine. I can just build this myself. So, uh, you know, by this time there were only weeks left before some deadlines. So I just stayed up late for a week or two and worked very hard and just wrote the entire integration code myself um, and was incredibly proud of myself when, on the day that we shipped when I went to my boss and I told him, hey, like not only did we ship and it's just gonna have all this impact, but I, I basically just did this all myself. We didn't even need to use any engineering help. I was very proud of myself. And uh, that is when my boss took me aside and you know, he's like, let's go for a walk and explained to me that I had completely failed at my job as a product manager, which was to you know, rally a team around an objective uh, yep. so that the object, the results can be way better than what I as an individual could come up with. And he basically told me, cause he knew me pretty well. He's like, you basically took the homework assignment approach to this project where you just like powered through it individually. Um, and that's the opposite of what I need you to do. So you must never, you must not be writing code anymore. Uh, yes. And he s sent me a book uh, called, um, what was it called? It's called Extreme Ownership, uh, which is kind of an annoying read, but it talks a little bit about the idea of like owning results as a leader, even though you yourself may not be the one doing the work. Um, and that to this day is the most that I've ever been like, let's say like told off at work for like not having done my job, but I learned a lot out of it because it really helped me understand uh, what leadership meant and how, how to sort of get out of the college mindset that I'd had of just like, yeah. you know, homework and just doing the work yourself. Yeah, I, th I think it's uh, something that is certainly learnt as you go along, um, and understanding where where you should be enabling others to do things rather than undertaking them yourself. So there's always that almost itch or desire, isn't there, where you feel that you can just get it done, um, whereas you need to be that that in, that sort of supportive and empowering leader when it comes to those sorts of situations. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Good. Okay. Um, so, Alexander, can you share with us your career highlight so far? I can. And hopefully this is still interesting because I, I think it has to be remotion still. Um, the the thing that motivates me, I think, you know, in an IT career, I guess I think we talk about this later, but is the thing that motivates me in my IT career is really the idea of building stuff and giving it to people and knowing that it was useful for them. Yeah. And so remotion is the the biggest thing that I built from scratch. With help, obviously. And so that's got to be the crowning thing. And I think the the moment, uh, the highlight for me would be, if I had to name a specific moment, it wouldn't be a launch or anything like that. It would be a video call with a customer where they told us how useful 
um, promotion was for them and how. Um, I'm thinking of a particular customer here. When they met some some teammates in real life, it felt like they already knew them because they had already been hanging out casually since before yes. then, and that made their team so much more fun to work on. Uh, yeah. That's the kind of thing that gets me going. Um, so, what led up to it? I guess I already gave you a bit of that early that early story about remotion. So maybe just to complete it a bit, um, as I mentioned, we had um, we had closed the wait list. We were trying to figure out what people wanted. They were telling us that they expected there to be like a water cooler in our product. And we were very confused as to what that meant. And so we spent a year really not trying to grow, but trying to learn as much as possible, getting on calls with as many customers as possible um, and iterating. And towards the end of that year, we felt like we were onto something. Uh, you know, we, we realized, okay, we need to rework our app to be around inclusive conversations between people. And then we realized those were very awkward so we realized we need to make them less awkward with some sort of unusual features, such as playing music uh, for everyone who's in a co-working room. And as we started seeing this working, um, we relaunched ourselves on Product Hunt again and got a bunch of new customers. And then during those follow-up calls, I remember just hearing how people had like, yes, I found out about you because you published this blog post and I thought that was interesting. And then I saw this launch. And, you know, then I signed up and I came into the product and I used the thing and it worked. And now my team is loving it. And I think as basic as that sounds, that, that's definitely my highlight of career is like those moments. Okay, that's fine. Right. So, Alexander, can you tell us what excites you about the future of the industry and careers in IT? Yeah, there's there's one big reason that I, I switched to computer science. Um, so for context, I... I came to America because I wanted to build airplanes, studied mechanical engineering, and then somehow ended up in computer science. And this, right. yeah. And yeah, not the most obvious leap. <laughs> no, but not that uncommon either. And the, the somehow for me was just a single reason, which is that in IT, it is much easier to build upon the work of others. You know, you yes. can write an, a lot like an import line in code if you're a programmer. Uh, and so I remember the, the feeling of being in mechanical engineering and like loving what we were working on, but just it being so difficult to get something out, requiring massive teams. And, you know, the problem with massive teams is that that means things take longer. And it also means that you, the builder, aren't able to make as many of the decisions that affect the customer as you might want to. You're, you're working on a smaller piece. And then as I started um, working in software as part of the mechanical engineering degree, I realized just how awesome it was to be able to like type the word import and then import something and try importing different things and then, you know, build something and give it to someone. And so I think the thing that makes me the most excited about a career in IT is seeing how the community is able to build off each other's work, uh, you know, be it open source or be it using other services that have really nice APIs. Um, and because it means that as a as someone building, you can always be on the edge of what's possible possible like for our species, rather than having to spend a lot of time ramping up um, to sort of rebuild what has already been built uh, before you can start moving the edge of the envelope. Yeah, not very good. Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this? Uh, yes. So, what first attracted you to a career in IT? Well, I'd have to say it's what I just told you, which is being, being able to build on other people's work. If I had to choose a second reason, it would be being able to give the thing you've built to someone very quickly and then adjust it very quickly and then give it back to them very quickly. And what is the best career advice you've ever received? 
I think, uh, I think I must be a boring person because I've already mentioned that as well, which is to, um, it's the thing I said is the best advice that I have is the best advice I've received, which is make sure you enjoy the people that you have to talk to, uh, in order to succeed at work. And what is the worst career advice you've ever received? Uh, it is to focus on what will get you promoted, not on what the customer needs. I can't objectively say that that's bad advice, but I can say that I hate that advice. And if you were to begin your career again in today's world, what would you do? I would become an engineer instead of a product manager. I was going to say, I can understand. So you're you're sort of back to delivering what the client wants, presumably, or what the customer needs. Yeah, that's that's right. And I chose to become a product manager because I thought that that would be a great way to learn leadership, which I, in college, had tried to start some student groups and completely failed. But at the time, I think that was it was a very sort of simplistic view. Now that I look at it, like engineers are definitely leaders as well and need to be leaders to be effective. And so I don't think I needed to to go be a PM. I think I could have I could have just gone into engineering. Yeah. And what career objectives are you currently focusing on? There are two things for me that I'm trying to learn. I think this counts. Uh, yep. One of those things is how to distribute products. Because when I worked at Dropbox, uh, we had a, a very mature distribution engine. And at a startup, we don't have that. So I'm trying to learn how we can create that. The other thing I'm trying to learn is just how to, how to be a good manager in, in terms of giving the right amounts of guidance to someone you're working with so that they, they can be effective but still giving them a lot of space. I think my bias is to give a lot of space and then there's problems down the line if if I if we were misaligned on what actually made sense. Yeah, that's a good point. I think the other, the other part of that is everybody is different. So yeah, the way you, you deal with one person will be different to another. So that's something else to bear in mind. Um, and what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? I don't know if this counts as a skill, but I think being curious about what other people think or are interested in or yeah. have to say. Yep. I class that as a skill, definitely. Um, and what do you do to keep your own career energized? Yeah. I, so I think there's there's two things. One is sort of just probably seen as good by most people. And the other one might be a bit negative, actually. But the the, the good one is that I just really like the feeling of get, building something and giving it to someone and knowing that they found it useful. Again, that's, yeah. I think you know, that's why when I, when I see the user feedback or I'm on a call, that is energizing to me. And so if I spend a lot of time without hearing anything from a customer, then I, I will be very unhappy. And so to keep my career energized, I guess I would say that I, I make sure that I am very close to the user feedback. Um, yes. Maybe the more negative thing, but something that's worth talking about as well is I, I kind of want to prove that I can build something of value for people. I think that a lot, I've, I've spoken to a lot of people who start their careers at big companies. And if they're interested in the same stuff as me, they can develop this, like, this question of like, do I know how to build something of value or do I just know how to work at a big company? Because those aren't the same thing. And so I kind of want to, I want to learn how to build something of value. And then I want to prove to myself that I can. Yeah, that's good. Yes. And what do you do in your spare time away from technology? For me, sports is a is a major thing. Um, so sports and, and time with friends, which which are heavily overlapping ideas, I suppose. Um, and maybe one thing I I know this is not the question, but something that I recommend to everyone is to create time away from technology. Um, I think it's very difficult in today's age, but one small tip folks can consider is things like, um, you know, charge your phone in your living room. Uh, that actually will create a bunch of space in the morning and in the evening that 
can you spend by yourself or with your partner? Yeah, that's good advice. I think I think that disconnect is important, definitely. Um, and Alexander, can you share with us a parting piece of career advice? Parting piece of career advice is something that I'm still working on implementing myself, which is thinking about how to empower others to solve their own problems. Um, as an example, you know, as a leader, sometimes I'll get feedback about the way our company works and I'm, I can feel like quite defensive about it. And, and then after I feel defensive about it, I might switch to feeling like I need to go solve that problem now. And I'm thinking about that problem instead of whatever I was thinking about before. And the thing that I'm trying to work on is how to structurally set things up so that someone can come to me with a problem and I can listen and help them think it through and then help them figure out how they're going to solve it themselves. And I think that it's, it's really, uh, at least for me, it's, it's almost more of a, an emotional skill than it is like a logical skill like figuring out how to respond to the advice in that moment and then how to guide people through. So hmm, this is, I haven't given you a piece of advice, but at least I've shared something I think is important. Indeed. That's absolutely fine. Um, and Alexander, how can we find out more about you and connect with you? Um, I, so Twitter, LinkedIn, I, I'll just give you all the things. So I'm on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is at Embirico, which is my last name without an S. For those who are interested in grammar, that's uh, the accusative conjugation in Greek, uh, spelt at E-M-B-I-R-I-C-O. Uh, my LinkedIn is linkedin.com uh, slash in slash Embirico as well. Um, the website is just the company website, so that's remotion.com. And if you ever want to email me, feel free to. It's uh, alexander at remotion.com. And I'd, I'd love to chat. Great. Alexander, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Yes, great chatting with you too. Thanks, Phil. Hi, Phil here again. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with today's guest. You can find full show notes on the website at itcareerenergizer.com slash e and the number of the episode you've been listening to. If you haven't already subscribed to the show, please make sure that you do so that you get episodes automatically downloaded to your device every Monday. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.